Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. The clock inside our car says 11.32 p.m. We're actually out before midnight, Catherine. How about that? 11.32 p.m. Yeah, that's a, that's a first. Uh, and that's because we've had two straight set matches, albeit neither of them were that straightforward. The result is that we have Rafael Nadal going for Grand Slam title number 19. Um, he is going to be up against Daniel Medvedev, who is going to be in his first ever Grand Slam final. And I have to say, Catherine, irritatingly, you more or less picked that one. In fact, you more or less picked them both. Did I? You didn't exactly get the number of sets right, but you held your nerve with regard to Medvedev when I was letting my heart <laughs> rule. I I mean, I said, I think I said I thought um, Dimitrov would get a set, and I think I said Medvedev in four, and I think really in spirit, I think the record should reflect here on the tennis podcast that he sort of didn't get a set. It's just that tennis scoring... It's a weird and wonderful thing. How he didn't win the first set. Oh. He he had more winners, fewer unforced errors, he won more points, and he didn't win the set, Grigor Dimitrov. That is extraordinary. I was I actually was I was so impressed that he didn't just completely fall to pieces after that set. I thought it was gonna be love and one or something after that first set. It mm. must have been so devastating I'd not stum- to win it. I'd have stumped off in a half. Yeah, I'd have just, I'd have done a Medvedev and stuck a finger up to somebody <laughs> and and done some disgraceful behaviour with a towel. And I don't know, I'd have done, I'd have absolutely disgraced myself in that moment because it would have been. I'd have happily joined you. Heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, yeah. It tennis scoring is cruel, cruel and wonderful. Yes, wonderfully cruel. Um, but the, in terms of what, what happened, the way Medvedev approached it is pretty much as I think we expected. He just he just made himself a nightmare to play against. I, I found Dimitrov's tactics fascinating, the fact that he, he's just decided I'm not going to hit a topspin backhand in rallies very often. And he sliced and he sliced and he sliced and then he guided it down the line with the backhand. I thought it was really clever tactics to try to blunt Medvedev's game a little and kind of give him a bit of his own medicine but then have chances to attack with the forehand and that got him got him the early break back that he'd squandered when I think he was probably a bit nervous and actually Medvedev was brilliant in the first game but when he had his chances late on he he slightly went into a shell because I think the problem is Medvedev's base game is so clear this is what I do I'm going to do it all day long. Are you good enough to beat me? Whereas Dimitrov has these, has to get the absolute perfect balance in order to win with his style. Well, and also that's where confidence is exposed, right? The mm. well of confidence that you have. Medvedev trusts his game in the big moments and is able to do play play the same, pull out the same level, and it's break point down is when it's forty love up. Whereas Dimitrov backed off 
on the break points, yeah. didn't he? And that's, I think, where the cracks in confidence, yes, it will have built enormously, but he didn't have that well to call upon, did he? And I think that's where it started to show. And it was, that's it, isn't it? It's the finest of margins. Yeah. We're going to talk about the same with Berrettini and Nadal to come, but uh, yeah, heartbreaker for, for Dimitrov. But he showed up, didn't he? He, he did not cower in, on no. the occasion. And actually, I, I don't think he can have that many regrets because in the second set, he took a different tack and at one point he clearly decided, OK, I've done as much rallying as I can here and, I, and I'm going to go for it now. And he started to play the sort of inspirational tennis that became the hallmark of his early career, the sort of showtime stuff where he was hitting big, going for it on the forehand and showing that quite mind-boggling athleticism he had because he decided, and I thought he needed to go to the net more, to be honest, because uh, I think he only went to the net 11 times in the first set. He wanted eight of those points. But then second set, he started to go in on things that maybe weren't the greatest approach shots in the world or Medvedev is, is exceptionally good at reaching balls and, and diverting them backwards and making it difficult and yet Dimitrov was still winning spectacular points because of this mind-bending elasticity he has um, but there was a moment I think I think it was Matt actually who, who tweeted on our tennis podcast account that Dimitrov had played a full game of highlight real rallies where you are just jaw on the floor thinking this guy is so wonderful to watch and yet he didn't win the game and that kind of summed up the match yeah it was somebody else tweeted and and Matt drew our attention to it it was like a a low rent Djokovic Federer it was so similar to that match I think the actual terminology was it was like the the supermarket's own brand version <laughs> of Djokovic against Federer and I'm really sorry I don't know who the, the person was who tweeted that it was a fantastic line I thought I mean you might think oh that's a bit mean to Dimitrov and Medvedev but come on you know these guys have won 20 and 16 Grand Slam titles respectively with a similar style to what these two guys are using which I mean, they haven't got any yet um, so I think it, it, it perfectly adds up um, I, f- I feel for Dimitrov because that's probably the best chance he's ever going to have uh, at a Grand Slam. But uh, you can take nothing away from Medvedev. He turned up today and there was no sign of physical issue. Um, he I mean, just... he always has that haggard look about him, <laughs> doesn't he? He does carry that well, yeah. Um, but no, no, no specific physical issue today. No. He just... Uh, yeah, he does look like he's had a trying day whenever <laughs> he plays tennis doesn't he um, but he just doesn't go away his level of tennis aside from double faults and you know the occasional error I mean generally speaking he plays kind of inspirational tennis it's just not spectacular in terms of its flamboyance so what a player what a player he is a winning machine is yeah. the, the disappointment of the day was the total lack of booing uh, he was booed onto court a bit, and that was great. Um, and then he sort of won people over, which is great. But I feel like if you're really a Daniil Medvedev fan, you need yeah. to boo him. Yeah, I mean, the anti-hero is what we're after here. Yeah. And I, and I do slightly... If you want to see the dance, folks, which... Why wouldn't you want to see the dance? Boo the guy. Yeah. I slightly worry about the the minor rowing back that's going on at the moment and the slight charm offensive in the interviews on the court afterwards um, in as much as I do wonder whether he's slightly rattled by how many waves he caused with his with his behaviour and he's talking about learning from it and admittedly I know we're, 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 we're tough taskmasters here because we don't want him to be uh, guilty of what was reported and fine sanitizing Daniil Medvedev already I know look the thing is you know we we, we mentioned yesterday his rap sheet and I think it's important that we 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 mention what that what's on that rap sheet and one of them is um, he got defaulted from a match because of what was it racist abuse or yeah racist language yeah um uh, three or four years ago he um he also had that incident at Wimbledon where he threw money at the umpire um, he had the one against Stefano Tsitsipas when he was 
effing and blinding in Sitsipas's face and basically offering him out for a fight. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny, <laughs> that was. Uh, and look, so there's lots of stuff that's happened with him, and, and we've also added that we find him to be really charming and polite off the court in our dealings with him. Um, and more to the point, generally, we just found the whole situation over those two matches hilarious and magnificent but I, I, I'm slightly worried that he's that this did happen with Djokovic you remember when he impersonated Federer in the locker room about 12 years ago and got himself quite a following and a lot of people loved it and a lot of people didn't like it and he got he got given stick in certain quarters by certain players because he kept doing the impersonations he was asked to do them on court after after matches McEnroe came down and all this and he was doing impersonations of Sharapova and all this and he was they were good they were funny mm. um, and they were edgy and he stopped being edgy after that after he got given a bit of stick in the locker room and publicly by some of the players he rode back from that I mean that's his choice but I think it's a shame I I, mm. I liked it. I liked it when he was cheeky and and didn't give a toss really. And Medvedev has given us a, an even more amplified, glorious example of somebody who just doesn't give a toss this week, and it's been magnificent. Yeah, and I, I don't want him to lose that. Yeah, I, I, that hadn't occurred to me actually. You're worrying me now. Well, it can happen. It can. You know, if if somebody gets in his ear. Uh, and media trains him or an agent says you know you're not going to get blue chip sponsors behaving like that or something like it, he could change I don't know I don't know him well enough to know I hope that's not the case I hope he's just completely natural um, because he was hilarious this week um, and uh, we need we need somebody who's prepared to do that um, somebody who's not Nick Kyrgios uh, but his tennis was, was brilliant he's into the final don't look so sad Catherine I might be wrong I'm really worried. <laughs> worried we'll never see it again. Well, I've got it on tape, <laughs> and uh, well, I'm going to gif it, and I'm just going to—we're just going to loop it. Um, so anyway, he's through. He said he loves the USA, which made me laugh. Is that the line that made you worry that Not really. the charm offensive's happening? J- just I love USA. <laughs> the beauty is, Catherine, any time you're missing it, you can just do your impersonation in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> she's got it down. Um, so he's going to face Nadal. The first set of Nadal against Berrettini was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awesome. An hour and 13 minutes, Nadal had a set point, I think, at 5-4. Berrettini saved it and then just started swinging. I mean, he he was trying to knock Nadal off the court. He was trying to he was trying to body slam Nadal on the court. So good to see a a young guy with absolutely no experience on that stage come out and try and bully Nadal. Okay, it didn't didn't pan out for him in a best of five set match, but just someone prepared to do that and have that attitude towards the whole thing was just such a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, it was Del Potro-esque with that forehand, mm. wasn't it? It really yeah. was. I didn't expect that. I mean, I know he had it, and he had a big forehand, but it's probably a, a bit of a revelation like when Murray hit out that time. And you d- it was just clearly a, a realisation from his perspective that he got to try to take the play away. Um, and, he, and he was able to at point, uh, quite a few points in that first set. Yeah, I've seen him play a few times this year, and he's so much better than I thought he was yeah and I can't quite tell how much he's just completely uplifted his game and found something new this US Open I'm sure there's an element of that an element of you know inspiration but yeah I didn't realise he was this good no way no No way did I think that forehand was that big or that he was that able to move despite his frame he's got that you know Vavrinka-esque physique that enables him to hang with people physically and recover well but he's also pretty light on his feet really I I did get a note uh, midway through the match um, from somebody on Twitter at Tennis Podcast who said uh, has he now earned himself the moniker agricultural (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he's he's almost too too light on his feet to be agricultural well, he's 23. I'm he's sure, baby beret. I'm sure Stan was light on his feet when he was 23. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite light. No, I wasn't quite light on my feet at 23. Um, the, the thing with that first set is 
even when you saw them stood at the net for the photo at the start, <laughs> it, it was that unusual situation where he put his arm around Nadal and he's like, he's bigger than Nadal. He's burly. But he had a real... I thought he had a real schoolboy look in his eyes. He did. I, 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 I saw that photo at the net and that coin toss, you know, with Nadal doing his boxery thing at the net. And I saw the look in Berrettini's eyes and I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be 2-1-2. Two, and two. So what do you think I happened? did an Ubaldo. What, 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 <laughs> what do you think happened? No, or is that a reverse Ubaldo? Yeah. Um... What? Ubaldo is the journalist that at Wimbledon said of the uh, Berrettini Federer fourth round match. One thing we know for sure is that it's not going to be six one six two six two, and that is precisely the scoreline. <laughs> so what happened to stir him? Because what what it seemed to me was when we had our early messaging exchange at the start of the match, I saw a couple of those looping forehands spitting up at him on his backhand, and him not able to handle them. And I thought. Uh, this is not going to. This is not going to be pretty. And then, and then uh, I went away for ten minutes, and it was three all. And I thought, oh, it's interesting that he's hanging in here. Yeah, I thought he weathered a bit of a storm. There was a game where he faced some break points, and he weathered that. And then I thought Nadal was dropping it short. Actually, I thought he was he was letting Berrettini belt that belt that forehand, letting him into the rallies, and and. I mean, uh, Tim Hemman and Daniela Hantikova in, in our prime studio said they they thought he looked tight on the on the forehand side in particular. He certainly was dropping it short. Um, so he yeah he was allowing Berrettini to bully him. He was not the aggressor in that first set for no. the majority, was he? And, and even in the tiebreak when he was six four down, he went into lockdown mode. And the four, when he was getting because Berrettini was just teeing off teeing off on the forehand and he was just trying to absorb those forehands on his own forehand and send them back cross court with the biggest margin for error um, and eventually it paid off but goodness me it was close for love for love in the tie break for Berrettini Ooh. and 6-4 and 6-4 and let's face it both of the points at 6-4 were one was better. One was better than the other. I can't remember. But there was, that. I think, the six-five point concluded with one of the worst and ill-advised, ill-advised and ill-executed drop shots you'll ever see mm. from Berrettini. And I felt for him in that moment. And I, because he was so honest with us in the previous round about how he, how tight he was on those match points. That seventy-six mile per hour second serve on his first match point. So you knew exactly how he was feeling. You did. <laughs> there was no hiding. It was just, uh, he just bailed out and he thought, I can't hit a ground stroke here. I'm just going to hit this. I mean, was it even a drop shot? I don't know what it was. It was a, it a drop shot shank. It wasn't very good. Tell you what, the car's arrived. We'll carry this on in a minute. So once those set points had come and gone, that's when Nadal... I think it's a combination of experience and also his just sheer ability to just compartmentalise every point, dig in and just over my dead body will you win these points. And if you can, good luck to you. But he just sucks the life out of a player in that, that's, that situation, doesn't he? Yeah, again, I'm surprised, <laughs> surprised that Berrettini mounted the challenge that he did in that second set to be honest and hung on in there for save two two break points yeah, in the first two games for dear life really but it did feel inevitable didn't it and as much as his previous match Berrettini's against Morfis was just the most glorious splendid advert for best of five set tennis this was one that I'd have been quite happy I'd have preferred it to be a best of three match because there was just no way. Tailed away, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. It was it was a a redundant third set. He, he's going to be. He's capable of being it's the birthday boy. A fourth, oh, one yeah. of them. Look, there's the birthday boy, Tim Hemman. Hello, Tim Hemman. Hello, David. How are you? I'm all right. So, so what have you thought of what you've seen here at the US Open? Twelve years, is it? Twelve years since you were last here. Twelve years. Um, got the opportunity of celebrating my birthday today with Greg. His birthday as well. How Their first that? time ever celebrating together, right? It was. It's taken us 91 years, but uh, it's been a great day. Has it? Who's going to win, who's going to win the two finals? Um, Andrescu in three sets and Nadal in three sets. 
you know, that's why Tim Hemman's good to have around, isn't it? No faffing around on the fence, you know, like most people. Um, as he goes off into the night with a nice wave. And uh, Tim Hemman, semi-finalist here in 2004. Do you remember that? Vividly. I was here that year. <laughs> you were here that year. I was commentating that year. I um, watched Tim and Tim's last ever tour-level match win, which was here against Dmitry Tursunov in 2007. Goodness, so you did. Um, so, we know what Tim Hemman thinks. What do Catherine Whittaker and David Law think? Why am I talking about it in the third person? <laughs> 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 ah, little throne. Um, look, the good news is we've got 24 hours to make our minds up and, we, and we've you know, got another podcast to get our predictions in. And we've got the newsletter as well. But incidentally, folks, our newsletter is where we carry all of our daily predictions um, and you can sign up to it if you just scroll down on your, your phone right now and just click on newsletter uh, on the show notes and you can sign up to our newsletter. You'll get Matt's stat every day uh, and you'll get some really dodgy predictions. What more could you want? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's. Do, do you feel where we're standing right now? Do you feel that we have a match in the men's singles final that is going to be close? Well, look, they've played once, and it was very recently <laughs> in very similar conditions. Um, actually, less favourable conditions for Nadal because he made it very clear how much he disliked the balls in Montreal. And that was 6-3-6 love. It was an incredibly one-sided, frankly disappointing affair. But I spoke to Medvedev after that match and he basically said he was pleased to have got the experience of playing Nadal for the first time out of, out of the way. And he pretty much said, I'll never lose to him like that again. Um, now, obviously, Nadal has a big say in that. Um, but I don't think he'll lose to him that one-sidedly again. I think he'll probably lose but I think he'll make a match of it this time because he's a learner. He really is a learner. He lost, I think, quite heavily to Djokovic the first time he played him and then he's beaten him twice this year. Mm. Um, might well, be too soon for that and I think the match-up might be, well, sure, I don't know, but I, I think he'll do better. I'll give him a set. Is he going to have to play out of his comfort zone or can he play his normal game? That's, that's a big question for me. Because I don't know if he can do it out of his comfort zone. I suppose what I mean is, if you think about the, the one man that beats Nadal more often than Nadal beats him is Novak Djokovic. And the one man that we compare Daniel Medvedev to most is Novak Djokovic. So can he do a Novak Djokovic to Rafael Nadal? I do think it's possible, yeah. I do. He's the I, don't th- I, I, I haven't heard anybody today since the final lineup was decided not saying Nadal in three and I I really don't feel that no I don't either I don't either um, I think that we've seen it although Nadal's been very good we have seen nerves here this fortnight mm. we you can see how much this means to him it's not like two years ago when he beat Kevin Anderson in the final where that was the least and that's not to disrespect Anderson because he had a fantastic run but it wasn't it, there was an inevitability about that result as the final was going on I think Henderson might have got a little bit injured as well I can't remember 100% but that was the least demonstrative we have ever seen Nadal on winning a Grand Slam because he knew he was going to win it as the match was going along I think there will be moments of stress in this one I think that, I think that Medvedev has the sort of mentality that he, d- he doesn't really work like most people, from what I can see. He, he, he's not playing by the rules here. He's, he's not getting tired and pulling out of events. He's got, you know, and he's mm. upsetting the apple cart. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, he is. He's a disruptor. Mm. Gets under people's skin in every way. Yeah. So you should not underestimate him. Fascinating. Fascinating. If you want him to win and you've got a ticket on Sunday, boo him. Yeah. Right then, I think we'd better talk about the uh, the women's final tomorrow. Mary Carillo's here. Hello, Mary. Hello, it's so nice to be with you. I've been listening to every pod, of course. Oh, 
This is fantastic. Yeah. Well, we're, we're sort of stalling time right now because as we come to you, the reason we haven't got Mary on for the whole show is because the only chance we got to, to, to meet her was behind a shower curtain outside <laughs> the practice courts with the rain falling down before the men's semi-final. So we're going to look ahead to the women's final. But first of all, what, what have you thought of the tournament? I have I've enjoyed it very much. There have been an incredible amount of storylines. The New York fans here have been a big part of the storylines whether it's with Daniel Medvedev or just rudely walking around uh, last night during the second women's semi-final like just and Martina Navratilova I, I did that that match with her with Bencic and Andreescu she said something interesting she said Ash Stadium is so big and vast that all these fans who are not necessarily tennis fans just think they can walk around and drink beer and and just talk and there's no problem with that so the fans and of course the demil medvedev situation has been these are my people i guess is what i'm saying i know Catherine has (laughs) and and he's rude and he's there's a lot wrong with him but he has become not only my son's favorite player but my soon-to-be 89 year old mother's favorite player I think you're too hot on him, Mayor. I think you're too hot on him, and you're too hot on Nick Kyrgios. Hi, Ma. That's that's Terry Carrillo. <laughs> yeah. What would Daniel say to that? Oh, David. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you like him a lot, don't you? I like him a lot. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know his checkered past. I think the distinction between him and Kyrgios is that he acknowledges the checkered past and says I'm ashamed of myself Um, I'm trying to be a better person I'm working on that well Nick has tried to say that earlier this summer when he won the title in DC but but I have to tell you trolling in New York I mean we are we invented it that Spike Lee has been watching Serena Williams she's he's been out to all her matches a famous American uh, director Spike Lee has became famous he's a huge New York Knicks fan it's our hometown basketball team and Spike Lee used to go up against a guy named Reggie Miller, who played for the Indiana Pacers for years. Reggie was a great player, unbelievable three-point shooter. Spike would go after him, and it would only make Reggie play great. And the New York fans would start yelling at Spike to stop doing that, because it only made Reggie Miller play better. I mean, this is what happens in this city. I was just telling you guys, I was walking past Fifth Avenue today, and I happened to be walking right past Trump Tower, which is a big, ugly building in the middle of Midtown, and some middle-aged man on a bike, as he was going by, he slowed down slightly and looked up at it, raised his favorite finger at this building and said, F you, Trump, I mean F you, and then just kept going. (laughs) And the fans... uh, Are you sure that wasn't Daniil Medvedev? (laughs) You know what? On further he likes examination, he does have a favorite finger. <laughs> yes, he does. Anyway, this is all part and parcel of uh, of playing a major championship in Queens, New York. Do, do you think when he was doing what he was doing, that the locals were really angry at him, or were they just, or was it pantomime kind Eighteen. of? You know, actually, <laughs> actually, we kind of like this guy really, but you know what? We're going to give him a hard time because he's given us some. I thought it was interesting that. Um, like, I, I think the fans came to understand when he was playing an Il Vavrinka that, you know, if they, if they started cheering for Vavrinka, it would probably only make Daniil play better. It was a weird atmosphere. It really was very flat. And obviously, you know, the, the past champion, Stan, was not on his game. So I think, uh, again, there are some people. Serena Williams is certainly one of them. Daniil Medvedev is another. And even the woman that Serena plays in the championship... Uh, Andrescu, they are their own weather systems. I mean, you just have to, the patterns change. The, the, the molecular cells of this tournament change when those people step on the court. Can they sort out this weather system? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a little clammy. A little clammy. Um, but we have the roof. The roof it will be in play, I, I understand, for the rest of, uh, of this Friday. So yeah. um, the, the players you just mentioned there, Serena Williams and Bianca Andreescu, where does, what, what is the relationship like, do you think, between this city and Serena? Because a lot has happened to her here. Obviously, I mean, the place seems fuller here for her than anybody. Yes. But an awful lot has happened over the years. Well, this is obviously, it, it, when they were little kids, I mean, I've followed their whole career from the time they were teenagers. Uh, Venus always dreamed of winning Wimbledon. Serena always dreamed of winning this one. And at 17, 20 years ago, she won her first. 
Um, it's always also the last, not only is it the last major of the year, but it's pretty much the last tournament she plays at the end of a season. It took her three years to tie Chris Evner, Martina Navratilova with 18 majors on this court. It took her three years until she finally did that. And I did the courtside interview to the house when she did that. Serena had not been told that during the ceremony, both Martina and Chrissy were going to come out on the court and celebrate her win and they gave her a very pretty bracelet and everything and it, it meant the world to Serena. Now she's trying to make history again by tying Margaret Court and, and I just feel like this is, she's been so fraught since she's come back from having Olympia anyway two years ago. Um, I don't think she puts more pressure on herself anywhere than she does in good old Flushing Queens, my hood, trying to please my people. <laughs> It was an extraordinary exodus um, yeah. after the Serena match in the semi-finals. A dis- slightly disappointing exodus that more people didn't stick around for Andreescu Bencic, but a total marker of yeah. of just. I mean, there's just she one, looked one menacing, show in didn't town. She? One show in town. Yeah, she looked menacing. Yes. She looked predatory. Yeah, it wasn't even like those people had seen a whole lot of tennis. <laughs> they'd <laughs> seen they, good they'd tennis. S- they'd seen Serena, and uh, she. I mean, I feel like we've done this podcast three times now, coming up to <laughs> yeah. a Serena final, trying to equal yes. 24. Does she look any different to you here than she has in those other tournaments? You you two well know, because I've done it on your podcast, I always pick Serena to win. I, I picked her to win last year's Wimbledon. She lost to Kerber. I, I picked her to win last year's US Open. She lost to Naomi Osaka. I picked her to win the Australian. She lost to Pliskova in the quarters. I picked her to win. I didn't pick her to win the French, but I picked her to win Wimbledon this year. So do we, don't she went 56 it. minutes with Hallow. I continue to pick her. I continue to. It's She is unignorable. I think she looks great. But I got to tell you, Bianca Andreescu is the goods. That kid is the goods. I And I love her. I love how she manages the matches, how, how well she plays the big points. I love that muscular mosey she does in between points. It looks like she's just like, cr- you know, crossed the country by horse. And it's been an old horse. And the horse has been, is, is just old and, and put down wet. And she comes and she just goes and she takes her time. She's very bright. And I've told you guys, and I want Matt Roberts, whose notes I have been stealing... <laughs> profoundly and every, without every shame every time you quote them on air he I, gets does he get excited he does. without shame or regret Matt Roberts <laughs> I have been I have been using your knowledge but there is a documentary I want Matt to watch it's called 20 Feet from Stardom it won the Oscar uh, for best documentary a couple of years ago and it is about backup singers and it is about what it takes to get that, that those 20 feet further in front to become a star yourself Bianca Andreescu is no backup singer. She is ready for the big mic. She, I remember I, I used to watch, uh, I watched three Bette Midler shows back in the day. And she used back to, to back. back in, no, well, two in a row, two nights in a row. And then a couple of years later when she changed her routine, Bette Midler was hilarious and great and an unbelievable show person. And somewhere during her routine, she would introduce her backup singers and she'd say, come on up girls. And then she'd say, I call my backup singers because they're so good that I'm always telling them, back up. Like, <laughs> um, and, and what we've seen, I mean, obviously at this, the last couple of days of this tournament, Rafa Nadal is an absolute star. And so is Serena Williams. And everybody else left in these last couple of days are 20 feet from stardom. Matt Roberts, please watch this documentary. Your man Bruce Springsteen is in it. You will absolutely love it. I suspect if Springsteen's in it, he's probably already watched it several oh, times. Probably memorized it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Andreescu, you, you say she's got the goods. Yes, she's got. I the mean, goods. it's it's hard to believe she's she's nineteen, isn't it? I mean, you just the the description of her on this horse is one that I can really relate to. Um, but but it doesn't feel like that. This is. I think wasn't it Serena called her an old soul? Yes, Serena has great respect for her and and again they only played you know they played a couple of weeks ago Serena uh, pulled out at 3-1 down in the final with a with an upper back problem and Andrescu went right up to, I think Serena knows what she's looking at you know like knows like I think and Andrescu was very nice to comfort her and say you're an effing beast yeah but also a power move not ne- not necessarily those with the motivations but what a in hindsight what a great power move that was going into this final 
that she that she did go over to Serena like that and because the, the, the total her. opposite to what we're talking about with Berrettini before we came on air about when he played Roger Federer and you felt almost as though he would have done anything, anything Roger wanted to make him feel at home right. and yet I mean I know that that came from a good place with Andreescu but there is I have not seen one flicker of oh crikey this is a big stadium no. oh my god that's no. Serena Williams over there yeah no no she's Bianca's just give me the ball give me the, here we go. Give me the ball. I, I, <laughs> what does your mum think of her? I th- I'm not quite sure if she's weighed in. I think she keeps confusing Andrescu with Benchich. <laughs> they do look similar. They do. They really do. They really do look alike. So my mom hasn't weighed in on But my mom has very specific tastes with no real... There's no real pattern to what she, to what she likes. Uh, I want Serena to win this. I want... To, she always wants Serena. That's another one. <laughs> yeah, she does. She is big on Serena. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, so, that's what, so what do we think is going to happen? I mean, if you just look at them as, as tennis players for a start, I mean, we didn't really get a chance to really see the nitty-gritty of, of yeah. how they would match up because of that retirement. But what, what to, if, if nerves, etc., don't play a part on either side of the net, and that's a big if, but what are we looking at as players? Uh, I'm, I mean, again, Serena's taking such good care of her serve, uh, and she looks so fit and focused and ready to end this narrative that we've been carrying for a couple of years now. And I also think she will snack on Andrescu's serve, first and second. I mean, she will threaten it. She'll go after it. Uh, Bianca was really struggling to hold in the semis last night for a long while against Bencic. Bencic uh, had her looks and couldn't come through when she really needed to. So I think the biggest thing will be if, if Andrescu can, can stay with her, live with her on serve, then I think we've got a, a real match. And again, I, Andrescu loves this. And I have to tell you, David, I think you were here. The day before the tournament started, I was talking to you two, and Andrescu was practicing right off the, the Prime studio out here. And I'd heard about the credential for Coco Andrescu. I went over to Bianca. I didn't want to bother her while she was still warming up. And then I said, all I did was ask Coco questions. I forgot to ask her. <laughs> this is know. the dog, folks. So Coco is the three-year-old French poodle who is just a great dog there's great all that's dog. all there is to it what do we think in coco versus chip i know steaks what I do know. we think if you had to have one i'm <laughs> telling you it's it's where do i land on that coco's way cuter coco is but coco by the way here's how competitive bianca is she explained to me that coco is a total mom a total mama's dog and she's you know she wishes that weren't the case Bianca oh. wants Coco to love her more than her own mother, who she says is her role model. This is a very competitive family. I am I am mesmerized by her mum in oh, the box. I know, she, Maria. I want to go on a night out with How? Maria Andreescu. Right? Yeah. Right? She looks fun. I mean, I, I've never seen her eyes. I don't know. I, I, it's I like know. Anna Wintour, but yes. she looks fun. Yeah. I, I want to get to know that family. And, and I want to get to, you know, play with the dog. Yes. I think Romanians are fun. Oh, Romanians. Come on. Yeah. What's not to... And I think, on, honestly, Andrescu now is going to inherit a lot of Romanian fans. I think that's already happened here once Simona Halep lost early. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, this kid is, as I said, she's the good. It's going to be interesting to see how she... Whether any realization of the sort of stardom that she's going to generate is going to, whether it's going to bother her because she's think? a young young woman. I mean, uh, and she's so new to this. No, no, I think no, <laughs> not at all. I think she'll get outplayed. I don't think she'll get overwhelmed. Yeah, that's that would be my guess. Twenty four hours away. Given the propensity both of them have to attract and revel in drama, it's hard to envisage this not having some kind of drama right it's hard to envisage it being just about incident free tennis what sorry it sounds to me like you you are drama prone yourself and are hoping for the best Marnie. i couldn't possibly comment look at a face I mean, lighted up i am a person that's been stung by a bee on the mouth live it's live the last time we did this yeah exactly right. have a quick look around no we're all right um but i just wonder whether she might show any subservient tendencies against Serena on this stage whether she might go into her shell at all oh I really hope not I don't, I don't think she's built like that I think I think uh, again and her coach too talks about her DNA and he, she's been like this for years right Catherine yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's 
I mean, the other thing he talks about is that she's benefiting. For, I think he's very aware of the sophomore season yes. potential next year, and he's very aware how much she's benefiting from the element of surprise. And I do think... I mean, for lots of reasons, Serena would have wanted to finish that final in Toronto, but for data-gathering reasons, right. I think she would have far... Even if she had ended up losing it. But, but, but the hell of it is, her constitution seems so strong mentally, Andrescu. Even if in this sophomore year you're on to her curves, it doesn't mean you really you can really respond to them in any, in any kind of... She can hurt you in so many ways. She really can. The, the, the other thing is, I think there's a small similarity with Medvedev in that there's a big similarity with Medvedev well apart from the aggro element and that <laughs> not in terms that. of physique but, but, I would say but the, oh, I, no. I'm talking I want to I really I want to hand him a hoagie every time I see him just here man just please please do you follow Hannah, <laughs> Hannah Wilkes on oh, Twitter I love Hannah Wilkes absolutely Medvedev receiving treatment for acute lack of bicep <laughs> in Cincinnati is that's, just that's going to be a hard tweet to beat. <laughs> it is. Um, the, the reason I bring it up is because of what we discovered about Medvedev when he was down against Djokovic and he just started serving bombs on second right. serves. And the number of times we've seen Andrescu, who is in the final of the US Open without playing her best tennis consistently, and yet she suddenly found a level, didn't she? Last night, she won five games in a row. And you're like, where has that come from? Yeah, exactly right. I, I just, again, they... They clearly have a, a, a great sense of their game and what it can do against an opponent's game. You know that stuff. I, I, I'm, I, I Daniel is. I don't know. I mean, I, you, it's hard to watch him play a match, even with all of his nuttiness and uh, so he can be so rude and he's finable every time he, he plays, probably. But it's hard to watch him, just like Andrescu, and not smile while you're watching them perform. Because they're doing things. They have great imagination. They've got terrific concept. They have the measure of the court and the measure of the moments. And uh, I don't know. I've, I find them both. I think it's been an interesting U.S. Open all around. Regardless right? of the protagonists involved, how did you feel when we were denied the Federer Nadal final? You know, Catherine, I've been saying this for a while now. He's 38. I mean, it's different from Serena, who will turn 38 September 26. Men have to play three out of five sets for seven rounds to win these things. And you're going to have off days. And, and I just think more and more that, that can happen. And, and again, more on the men's side than the women because they got to they gotta slug it out. Were I, you disappointed? Um, yeah, only because he really looked, he, he just looked off. I mean, I'm happy for Grigor, your man. I know how happy you are that Dimitrov is back, back in the... Mix. <laughs> He's not in the mix. He's been on this the is going out after the semi-finals, Mary. Let's not throw the mix around no, no, willy-nilly. No, uh, no, I'm just saying the guy's back in the top 30. He's an ingredient again, regardless. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's a likable fellow. I'm very happy for him. Um, but yeah, it was a pity. Roger and Rafa continue not ever to have played at the U.S. Open. That's remarkable. This is the, they've played everywhere else. Everywhere else. And they've never met in New York. I still think it's, it's going to happen. Um, you know, more you remarkable, really? the yeah. tournament haven't noticed. <laughs> Never mentioned it. Is that true? Oh, no. no. They're, 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 people are just uh, still in the bar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Drowning their sorrows about it. Uh, final word yes. about Serena. Yes. I, I know that you did your documentary with Margaret Court, mm -hmm. and you got to know her, you got to spend some time with her. I, I read what Billie Jean said last night that she wants her to equal it here and break the record in Australia and that felt quite pointed uh, to me um, do you feel that actually it would be good for tennis generally if she did just get this record and, and there is just no conversation for the future I, 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 yes I'd like to see Serena get the record and, and go beyond it and I think she's capable of it but again it, this is a Grand Slam record I sit next to Martina Navratilova in a lot of these matches. Martina played and won everywhere. She skipped so many majors. You know, I think she, I think she told me she skipped about a dozen Australian Opens, and there were team tennis days when she didn't play the French, and neither did Chrissy or anybody else. I mean, if you're only going to measure someone's worth by the number of majors, I think you're really, you're really discrediting an awful lot of great players. Um, but in terms of majors, I'm I'm ready for this narrative to be over. I want I want I would like to see Serena get there. I would like to see her. And then can't you picture? Don't you feel there could be a Kleisters-like moment when Kim Kleisters had her baby, got the wild card into the U.S. Open, won the whole thing. Baby Jada came out to the court, 
saw her face up on the big screen and pointed at it and everyone went nuts. Can you see like a little I can't we I can now. Yeah. I mean I'm and, and, and normally Serena wouldn't do something like that and maybe she won't anyway if she wins. But I can see that moment and I think that is one of the great reasons Serena continues to try to win these things. She wants that. She wants to show everybody I'm back even with this kid and I and I want this to be a moment in history. So that would be I can see that happening. What do you think? I'm ready for that. I can see it happening. I can see it happening, but I can also see Andrescu with the trophy and little Coco running around. Oh, (laughs) you know what? I'm good with either. Um, But that was Coco and and yeah, Uh, yeah. She's become a great Coco. We we can't lose, folks. That's exactly right. (laughs) This is all right. Uh, Well, we can't lose either because we've had you on the podcast, Mary. It's a joy as always. Always a pleasure. And uh, we will be back with uh, another one tomorrow after the women's singles final. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So that was Mary Carrillo with us. And uh, as I said, I mean, it really is a treat for us to have her on our show i mean for a start mary is a bit of a a bit of a hero of ours uh, as a broadcaster and to have got to know her as well i mean she's incredibly generous with her time with us and we're we're, we really are grateful so it's um it's it's a pleasure to have her on uh, i hope you enjoyed that um the, the one other thing I, I just wanted to say and the reason i've come on it again is because i i forgot to mention i, I think we forgot to mention in this show the the scene that we saw just when we were going to meet Mary this afternoon, um, which would have been somewhere around one o'clock. And on the Arthrash Stadium at that time, the doubles final was going on. And I can't tell you how amazing the atmosphere was. I mean, I wasn't able to go in the stadium, but it was between the Colombian pair of Cabal and Farah um, and their opponents and 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 Cabal and Farah won the title. I mean, it was it was just it was a fantastic contest for a start. But it was one of those situations where uh, they were up against uh, Marcel Granoyas and Horacio Zabaios, and they won six four seven five. And um, this was uh, one Sebastian Cabal and uh, Robert Farah of Colombia, as I mentioned. And it was one of those situations where, in the distance, you can see the stadium, but you can hear the roar. And it's it was like going walking towards a football stadium when when the team sco- the home team scores a goal and just this this echoing roar reverberating around the vicinity but but in the distance and it was because the Colombian fans had come out in their football shirts just thousands of them 
into the Arthras Stadium. I think it was free admission today. And that is what tennis is all about. I mean, you know, I know there are other sides to it as well. And they have, it's a business and all the rest of it. But that was magical. Um, and they won the title, the top seeds. It meant the world to them. And uh, and it was just really, really great to see. A few other results that I saw today in the uh, the women's doubles semi-final. Elise Mertens and Irina Sabalenka beat uh, Caroline Dolhide and Vanya King. So it's Mertens and Sabalenka into the final. Uh, the mixed doubles final will take place tomorrow uh, on sun on Saturday, and it's got uh, Jamie Murray in the uh, in the draw alongside Bethany Matic Sands, and they're playing Chan and Venus. That's twelve o'clock local time. So if you want to watch that in the UK on Prime, you can do so on five at five o'clock UK time tomorrow. Also, there are some of the wheelchair matches. Uh, they're at the quarterfinal stages. There, same with the boys singles. I'm seeing there's some of the semifinals, some of the uh, quarterfinals. A lot of rain hit the order of play today, but it should be set fair tomorrow. So it should be an absolutely fantastic order of play. Um, so just to say thank you again for listening to us not only today but throughout the fortnight um we've had some lovely messages from you all if you'd like to send us any in any thoughts any any opinions of your own you can do so have a look on the show notes or on your phone as you you listen to this and you can click on the contact form or on our email address and, and send us an email or tweet us or contact us on instagram or facebook or on all of these things and uh, yeah do get on the newsletter list if you uh, if you would like to receive our daily newsletter leave us an iTunes review. We are brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y, and we'll see you tomorrow. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 